Hey, everybody, you're listening to Raw with Marty Gallagher, J.P. Bryce, and Jim Steele, brought to you by ironcompany.com. Today, we're discussing nutritional primitive, cooking fewer things better. Anthony Bourdain once said, I think basic cooking skills are a virtue, that the ability to feed yourself with some degree of proficiency should be taught to every young man and woman. One might be reasonably expected to have a small but serviceable list of specialties. So <clears throat> now it's Marty's contention that a whole lot of people out there don't have the basic cooking skills required to properly cook proteins, vegetables, complex carbs. Uh, so here to help us all gain our culinary independence, Mr. Nice. Marty Gallagher. <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, you know, you know. Um, first off, about Bourdain, I saw a uh, Chappelle. Chappelle was riffing on him, and he said, "You know," he said, "Bourdain was in in some ways he, he enrages me because this is a guy who had the best job in the world. He got to fly around the world, eat yeah. the best food in the world." Uh, and he kills himself and, and he's making millions and he's at top of the profession. And I, I love this show. Now he was a little, yeah. sn he was a little snarky, yeah. you know, and a little bit of a, you know, a, a hard ass New Yorker, but, but generally he was a food lover and I loved what he did and I loved, you know, where he went and, uh, just, uh, I don't know, it's just mind-blowing that yeah. uh, a guy in that position, you know, again, Hemingway the same way in a lot of ways, Hemingway super successful. Now, now Hemingway had some issues with, um, yeah, his plane, and his plane crashes, Jim, as you, as you pointed out, he had those two plane crashes and, you know, it just really, really messed him up. Bourdain was a different kettle of fish and it just always amazed me that the guy, and, and on his suicide trip, he was with his best friend, Eric Repair, from Le Bernardine. And I mean, he was in France. He was, a, you know, it was a great place. He was on a great trip and yeah. for whatever reason. So, uh, but but he was so insightful. And, and what he was referring to was the fact that, um, you know, most, most guys, most alphas, well, I don't know, most, but a goodly percentage of alpha males are completely incompetent in the kitchen and they're kind of aggressively proud of it in fact i think in fact i think jim Steele used to be in that category until very recently right jim yeah so i used to just go buy a bag of frozen chicken breasts already cooked you know you seen those mm -hmm. the fake grill grill marks oh, on. My God. yeah they're painted and on and, it, uh, and i would just put them in the microwave but uh, uh i have to cook for, for my boys i've had to change a little bit i always look you know i love sweets and stuff like that and i think yeah. my sweets not but like other food, I've always been like, do this at like medicine. Like you have to do this. So it doesn't matter really what, it, you know, I'll just eat anything to make it to, to achieve the goal kind of thing, you know. Um, but actually it's more fun to take your time and look at it almost as like an art. It is. Uh, and, it's because and, it is an art. <laughs> and you watch, you watch your kids' faces and like, all right, is this uh, going to be any good? I tried something new. So uh, I found Old Bay, uh, Louisiana hot sauce. Okay. And yeah. so I put that on yesterday. I was watching James. He <laughs> liked it because he loves Old Bay, but I wanted to make sure, you know. So what, what are you? What are you putting it on? Boiled hot dogs? No, that was on. No, <laughs> um, my uh, my chicken breasts. I make my chicken. <laughs> I hate chicken breasts. Can't you leave the skin on the damn chicken? Come on, Jim. Yeah, they should. 
Don't, uh, tor- don't torture them well, with we, that. We balance that out. Boneless, skinless of, chicken. Tons of ground beef. Tons of ground beef. Um, um, now, have you figured out how to not, you know, I mean, now you, you, you stopped using the George Foreman grill, right? Yeah, I never had a George Foreman <laughs> just to hold it over a lighter. But um, the, now, so now how I, are you cooking it now? So I put avocado oh, oil, I grease the pan with avocado oil. Avocado oil? Yeah, avocado oil. Yeah, we have that. Why? Why? I, I don't know. It's just What's there. Wrong with olive oil? What's wrong with olive oil? What's wrong with olive oil? The problem is with olive oil in this country is most of it's fake. So if you, if you find the really, really good stuff, yeah, no question. All right. But it has a really high smoke point. So I just learned that expression, by the way. That's why I was Good. That's excellent. excellent. Yeah, I put seasoned salt on it. Cheese, um, cheese. Seasoned salt. Cheese. C-H-E-E-S-E. Yes, I love cheese on mine. My sons don't like cheese on mine. I don't know why. They're all into this health kick. So cheese isn't. What's healthy. your cheese? What's your cheese of choice? Oh, I like very sharp, very sharp cheddar. Uh, now, how, all right. Now, here's the key question: How do you figure out your doneness on your burgers? Yeah, my doneness. Yeah, oh, but wait a minute. Burgers or chicken? Burgers. How do you do the chicken? Well, or chicken, yeah, but yeah, chicken too. Well, chicken, he just kills them. He just destroys them. He just turns them into, but, into gristle, but, and then I they're like done. That season salt because it sort of blackens it a little bit. <laughs> I like that, man. So, so it's in the pan. You're cooking it in in yeah. olive, or I mean, in uh, avocado, avocado oil. Yeah, I don't know. You just use your instincts. Well, you just know when it's done, right? I mean, I no, no, for when I first started, I would check. I know you use a thermometer, Marty. I don't, I don't, I don't have one. I gotta get one. But, uh, you go on instinct. It's 15 yeah, steel I, instinct. I do the other side of, with seasoned salt and then a little hot sauce. Okay. And, yeah. Um, no, 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 no. I want, this, is, this is so Marty, wrong. Look, I want Marty, credit for actually doing it, Marty. This, credit. Dude, this is like you walking into a gym and seeing some guy doing <laughs> stiff leg deadlifts on a bench with three with 315 and a rounded back. Okay. Yeah. It's that it's that bad. Uh, doneness is you, you can't a neophyte there's no way for a beginner to figure out doneness okay. right you gotta just get the $15 thermometer it's got a wire braid with a probe in the end you stick it in and when it gets to 125 you got a medium rare burger if the kids want it more done you take it to 135 if you want it you know what I mean and it's yeah. consistent every time and half the time that you make a burger, somebody's going, my God, this is terrible. They're just not telling you. Not in my case. <laughs> well, either that or they have no they have no taste. I mean, you know, it just doesn't matter. Well, if they've only tasted that, then they don't know what, <laughs> what they're missing. <laughs> so, uh, you know, yeah, you should know how to roast a chicken. It's not a big deal. Um, yeah, and, and again, I think the strategy that we're trying to stress is we're not... And I talk about, we're going to post the uh, article, right, JP? Uh, yeah, it's yeah, actually yeah. already up. Oh, okay, cool. Uh, yeah. and, uh, and my point is that it's, it's, uh, it's easy, it's just as easy to do proper cooking as it is to do bad cooking, mm. right? There's nothing simpler than, okay, you get a chicken. First off, let's get a good chicken. You know, uh, you might pay a little more for the organic guide down at the end of the, you know, the different section of the store, but it's not that much more expensive. It's still chicken. Can you tell <clears> the <throat> difference, Marty? 
Yes, absolutely. Well, yeah, you can tell the difference. You can see the difference. Just look at them. One is as yellow as a tangerine. That's not good. And the other is just looks like it's natural bird that's, you know, actually run around on yeah. the ground. Well, that's just like with eggs. I get eggs from my buddy's farm. Yes, there you and go. those are like the sun, man. They're yes, exactly, exactly, exactly. So you, you start with a good quality protein. Right. So the chicken, right, JP, you get the chicken and you take it home, you take it out of the bag. Sure. You, you got to take the guts out inside the chicken, Jimmy, before you cook it. Okay. Got it. Got to reach inside there and grab those things and bring them out. That, man. All right. <clears throat> yeah, you know what I'm you're a hunter, doing. Marty. I've, I've been so you, you salt it inside and out. Okay. Now, set the oven at 350. Now, here's a here's a little trick that I got from Jacques Pepin, who's the, you know, the godfather of French cooking. Oh, I he thought said, it was the guy who used to have the uh, Calypso. <laughs> Remember that boat? <laughs> no, no. no, Jacques Cousteau. You thought it was Jacques Cousteau. Remember Jacques that? Cousteau. Give, that? Yeah, the Calypso. Yeah, his, yeah, his boat, yeah. Calypso is diving. All right, now look, cut it out. All right, so anyway, it, when you put the chicken in the oven, you turn it on its side, okay. right? So you have, yeah, so it's sitting on its side rather than the, everybody puts it breast side up. Right. And Papan's like, uh, why do we do that? That's what we want to keep moistest. Let's keep it the furthest away from the, from the heat. So you set it sideways, 30 minutes on one side, okay. right? 30 minutes, flip it over the other side. Wait, are you testing the temperature? No, you don't have to at this point because it's going to it's going to take a good a chicken in the oven is going to take a good hour if it's a big you know good sized bird it's a big which, yeah because you're feeding two hungry boys and yourself and you know your wife and so you need a good sized chunk of meat so uh, 30 minutes on uh, one side 30 minutes on the other side then I do 15 minutes on the back okay now it's breast time now at this point I stick the thermometer in it Deepest point of the thigh. Now they tell you it's supposed to go to 170. I take it to 160. You know, it it's done at 150, right? It's edible at 150, but I take it to 160. And you just stick it in the side of the, the thigh, but you're yeah. reading it outside the stove because the wire allows the the readout to be on your kitchen counter. Got it. Right. So when it gets to 160 then you just take it out <laughs> and you let it sit. I put a little bit of foil over top of it. You let it sit and it, it, uh, the juices reconstitute. So you're never Same. actually sitting breast up. Yeah, at the end. I, 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 I've done a half an hour on the left side, half an hour on the right side, right. 15 minutes on the back. Yeah. Now I flip it up. It might be another anywhere from 15 to 40 minutes before okay. I hit that one, 160. My oven, my oven runs a little cool, I think. I, even though it says 350, I really don't think it's 350, you know. Yeah. So well, it's you're a at higher elevation, slower. too. <laughs> no. No, it's because it's, a, it, because it's an, it's an electric <laughs> oven. It's an electric <laughs> oven from 1983. <laughs> yeah, at 800 feet above sea level. Yeah, side 30, <laughs> other side 30, back 15, breast 50, breast up 15. Yeah, breast up until it's done. That's okay. the way to think of it. Breast up till it's done, right? <clears throat> and it well, what else out. are you putting on it? 
You put some salt. Yeah, salt and pepper. See, that's the thing. Yes, you can do other things. I I am trying to, when, when I do, I actually do interventions with some of my cooking challenged alpha buddies. Uh, you, we know some of them, okay? Chuck Miller, oh, excuse me, Chuck, right? Uh, our guest last week, he came to me for meatball and meatloaf advice. Right. So I do interventions. I do, I do alpha food preparation interventions and I teach these guys. Now, Chuck is hopeless. He is, I mean, it's now he will eat everything in sight. He, he's yeah. like inviting a plague of locusts to your house. Yeah, yeah, he can eat, man. He can eat. One time I made eight boneless chicken thighs, crispy. He ate every one of them. It yeah. was like the, the episode of South Park where they came in and Cartman sitting there with a bucket of chicken. They said, hey, who ate the skin off all the chicken? He said, I don't know what you're complaining about. There's plenty of chicken left. Yeah, I love it. That's Chuck. Now, That's Chuck. He's just he's 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 ravenous. Now, when you ch- when you uh, cook a whole chicken like that, will you have any leftover for the next day? Yeah, it's just YouTube. Right? Yeah, yeah, it's done because I mean, it's, it's whatever you okay. feel like. All right, I, is it I, moist I, I, the next day? Because that's one of the oh, things yeah. I don't like about chicken. Well, it's perfect because it's okay. perfectly perfectly done because that's the exact temperature that is perfect doneness. See, You're that's, that's cooking it. No, because you have it, it's 160. It's, it's perfect. If you want to stick it in the breast, that's a slightly different temperature. Right. A steak, a medium rare steak is 125. What's lamb? I think lamb's in the 120 range. Um, I do meatballs. I got my meatball recipe from Anthony Bourdain. I took all the extraneous stuff that he put on it, all the herbs, all the extra stuff. Basically, his meatball recipe came down to uh, I do beef and pork equal. I do uh, breadcrumb, an egg, and Parmesan cheese. You combine that. The hardest part is mixing it all together. You mix it and you mix it. You know, you take like a like a spoon and you or your hands and you you have to get the consistency even. Once it's even, you roll it out into golf ball size meatballs. slide it in the oven again at 350 most things roasted are at 350 so you stick it in there at 350 you stick the probe in it when it gets to 150 you pull it out it's perfect perfect meatballs Bourdain was browning the meatballs ahead of time he was using herbs he was doing all this stuff I strip all that stuff away because I need to make it simple for my boys those meatballs come out incredible people love them they're like oh these are fantastic and I went but so hard. I mean, it's simple sign and stuff, right? Yeah. The, the, the hardest part about grilling a steak is getting a good steak. Mm. Right. Right. Uh, I don't buy steaks from my, our local supermarket because they're all tough. They're yeah. terrible. They're terrible quality. So I don't, I don't mess with them. There's no point in me doing everything perfect for a tough cut of meat. You go to the Mennonite farm with those gorgeous it, it, on it. Yeah, I do, Jimmy. They miss you. They talk about you. I bet they did. One visit and I'm in their, on their mind. <laughs> you know what? You know who else has uh, good meat? Every time that we've been there is Costco. Costco's got some really good meat. Communist. It's certainly that's better like, than... Uh, it's, it's, that's, like 30, that's like 40 miles from me. 
It's a, it's be, it's way better than the uh, supermarket. We've got well, a, a local butcher down the street too. So yeah, that's, 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 that's what I that's what we do. But even the local guys, you know, just because a cow's organic doesn't mean it can't be tough. Yeah. yeah. Right. I bought a quarter of a of a beef from a, a Mennonite and a great guy. I love him and I get great quality stuff from him. But the the chunk that we got was just, I mean, that. That cow had a tough life, right? Remember when I picked you up to go down to the train to special forces, you made me meatloaf, man. And it was it's the yeah. first time I've ever eaten it rare. It was perfect. <laughs> man, it was good. It was yeah. really good. Yeah, you know, that's right. Yeah, that was and, and that's it's a meatloaf recipe is the same as meatballs. It's they're they're the same. It's just that one of them is a big chunk. And the other is small individual chunks. But the meatloaf, it's the same. You take equal part. I take equal parts pork, equal parts beef, ground beef. Egg binds it together, the breadcrumbs. And you really uh, compact it, stick it in the oven. And again, you stick the meat probe in the middle of the meatloaf. And when it gets to 125, take it out. And you got to leave it alone. That's the thing with a lot of these foods. You have to leave them alone. They, they, um, the juices... Uh, when it's heated, the, old, ju right? the juices constrict. Yeah. Yeah. And when you let it out of the oven and let it get back to room temperatures, then everything relaxes. Ah, and then all the juices spread back out, whether it's a, a meatloaf or a steak or a piece of lamb. Mm. How long will you let it rest? Well, it depends. If it's a, a big, like a, a rib roast, you might let that one rest for 40 minutes, right? Because really? it's so, well, well, it's so big. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's five uh, small ones, five pounds. That's three, three ribs and a rib roast is, is a good five pounds. But I mean, a, after, after 40 minutes, is it even going to be warm anymore? I, mean, oh, yeah. I, want, I want it hot. So no, it is. It is. If you cut it before that, you're going to end up with a pile of juice underneath wherever you cut it. That will be all the blood running out onto the, all the flavor onto the onto the plate because you've you've interfered with it and all that juice has not had time to go back out inside the meat you just punctured it and you made your meat uh, about 40 mm, percent of what it could have been yeah. not to discourage you from your cut, <laughs> cutting early or anything yeah Hey Marty, when you're making that meatloaf, how many pounds of ground beef to how many how much breadcrumbs to how much? Yeah, you know, you, I like uh, they got those um, old Pyrex meatloaf makers. You know those clear, it's Pyrex glass, yeah, the, right? The rectangular ones. Yeah, yeah, right, right. right. Old school, yeah, like you, yeah. like your, like your grandmother had, right? I so remember that, those, yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's where I make my meatloaf in. So. Uh, so I do it right in the meatloaf container and, uh, you know, break the egg in it, uh, put the breadcrumbs in. I don't know if it's a, let's see, I think, uh, I would get a pound of each, a pound of beef, a pound of pork okay. or sausage. I like sausage, mm -hmm. right? Uh, flavored sausage and ground beef is delicious. Um, uh, breadcrumbs, an egg, some, I like some, uh, Parmesan cheese, not too so you're much, just, you know, like a half you're just cup. eyeballing them. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. Maybe a, a half a cup, maybe three quarters of a cup. Not a lot. You, right. It's a it's a binder, not a not yeah, a yeah. not a not a star of the show. Right. And egg. It's only an egg. 
it's just enough to kind of eat. I, I made crab cakes uh, yesterday. I came across a pound of crab for, for 18 bucks, so I bought it. So it's the same thing with, with crab cakes. You take an egg, you take some breadcrumbs, you take the crab and you make your little crab balls and then you put it in the refrigerator and let them kind of harden up a little bit. Then you slowly low over olive oil saute them really lightly and, and, and take your time. It, should, it might take 15 or 20 minutes to do. I did, what did I get? I have a pound. I got, I don't know, like eight, not, not giant crab cakes, but a pound would do great for your guys. They'd love that. Dude, I love crab cakes, man. Get a, a pound of crab cakes with some uh, breadcrumbs. It goes, it'll, yeah, it'll go away. It'll feed you guys. You know, I saw the special, you know, they used to do But the don't, animals. don't make them big. Don't make them like hamburgers, Jimmy. Make them like smaller, okay, smaller and thinner, right? They're also more manageable. They were doing you, that, how it's made, you know, the crab cakes and all that. And, you know, the ones at the specialty restaurants are really good ones. Or if you buy backfin like you did, you know, yeah. you're getting the crab. But when you go to like, you know, uh, a diner or wherever that's not in Maryland or right around there, it's ground up everything else oh it's, it's horrible the, it's the shells and all that yeah, and the dogs. Dogs. yeah it's crazy yeah. man it was crazy and now i'm like yeah because nah, you know if you get nah. a really good crab cake it's like 12 bucks for a walk you, no. you know what crabs have stayed expensive they have never figured out a way to use a mechanical device to get the meat out of them yeah they got those so things. because of because of that they have to do it by hand and they have mostly ladies down in the eastern shore and that's what they do they pick crabs all day and they're expert at it yeah but that's why the price of crab a good price on crabs 20 bucks a pound yeah. for back for back fin maryland back fin right um so anyway um, did you guys ever go to uh what was it called um uh, Chrisfield, I lived in the neighborhood. Chrisfield was the greatest seafood restaurant in Washington, D.C., and I, well, I, I lived six, six blocks from it. What, I lived what, was the, what was the one around there where you can go uh, eat king crab legs, all you can eat? Well, if you're from Un Maryland, you're not eating king crab legs, bro. Unlimited. No, that's where I was. That's Bay Seafood House. Uh, no, that's Chesapeake Bay Seafood House. So here's that's what we do. One. We'd get like five of us, right, from the football team in high school, all my friends. And like three of us would order the frog legs, all you can eat. And uh, frog legs. legs. Well, we'd find the cheapest thing on the menu. It was the frog legs. So the, the waitress <laughs> was going to be like, she was always like, are you really going to eat the frog legs? I'm yeah. like, oh, frog legs. And then we'd share. The <laughs> yeah. we, we'd be there for two or three hours. Oh, yeah. listen, we could, get on the, we could get on the eating stories. But I'll tell you one really quick is we went into a Chinese uh, buffet one time. And it was, uh, we were at Chalet's and there were, I don't know, six of us. And I think I was the smallest at 245. So we go to the Chinese buffet and we eat and everybody's on like the third plate. And the owner comes over. He's kind of a hard looking Chinese guy. And he comes over, he goes, uh, you guys are out of here. And um, I don't know, one of the guys says, hey, this is all you can eat. And he goes, oh, that is all you can eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. True story. Yeah. Well, what about what about here's, here's one of the things. Buffets. Here's here's one of the things I want to talk about is, you know, all of us are weightlifters. There's a lot of people weightlifters that are listening, athletes that are listening. We all consume 
uh, a higher amount of protein and food in general. Um, one of the things, you know, when I was in my peak and doing every, you know, eating every couple hours and all that stuff, I got so sick of chicken. That was the biggest thing. Yeah. You got, you got, you got got sick of boneless, skinless, white meat chicken. I I did. Done horribly. I did, but I'd have to, I'm going to say the word Tupperware. You're not going to like it, but I had Uh a Tupperware full of you know, chicken breasts. And by the oh, end God. of the day, the those chicken food. breasts were so dry and make me gag trying. To that eat. is so, the most miserable protein known to man, a dried yeah, out so, chicken breast. So I want to talk about simple ways that we can cook that kind of stuff to where people are in the same boat I was that are absolutely sick of eating chicken or, or even beef. Uh, no, and how can we kind of spice that? No, they're, sick of, they're not sick of eating chicken. They're either sick, sick of eating dried out boneless skinless white meat chicken breast so if there are so, guys that are going to do that though how do they make them where they where they like what them? i just told you you get a whole chicken you don't be first off you don't be a fat phobic i think that that's the biggest travesty that's been been the biggest myth that's been foisted on american nutrition over the past 50 years is the demonization of of nutritional fat yeah, the, yeah, and it's the carb industry. It's the carbohydrate industry, the low fat, the light, the heart healthy, the all of the fat free, yeah. all of those people, and that stuff spikes the hell out of insulin. Yeah, that's right. Insulin is the enemy, not saturated fat. Fat, protein, and fiber carb do not spike insulin to any significant degree. Everything else is undigested sugar. Okay. So if you allow fat, now JP is like, he's like quivering over there. Just the fact of putting fat back in the diet, that's so anti-bodybuilder. And the answer is that's right, but it's pro-health. And it's the carbs that mess us up. Now, I'm not talking about natural starch carbs. There's a place for that. That's fine. But if you live on rice and potatoes, eh, you're going to swell up. Okay, but if you live on protein and fat and fiber, you do not. That's right. Well, since since I was starting to talk about chicken, one of the best ways that I've found to make chicken and the biggest problem I have with chicken is um, I can eat just about any chicken once it's taken off the grill or, or once it's cooked. But for later, I just hate it. And the next day I hate it because it gets dry. It just doesn't taste as good. But I found a way to make chicken so that it's not like that. And even I can eat it even for the next day or two. It stays nice and moist. I think the uh, the secret is the smoker. And oh. I do I do a oh, lot of yeah. Yeah, I do a lot of uh, you know, smoking chicken and beef and, and stuff like that. So the smoker is the absolute best way that I've found. Mm. If you're going to make a bunch of food all at once and keep it for the next couple of days and it'll, it'll keep just fine. And it, it makes great lunches for the next couple of days. Well, explain, the, explain what a smoker is. Cause all I know is a grill. Like what's it look like or what's it. All right. So the one that I use, there's, there's tons to use. I mean, there's direct smokers like the one that I have, it's a green egg. Okay. Figure. And if you don't know what that is, uh, think of, uh, you know, the old Weber's, that was just a basic round Weber yeah. barbecue. It's, it's yeah. like a glorified one of those. It's all insulated and everything. So there's those, there's an offset smoker, uh, which I've never used, but I like the idea because it's not a direct 
heat. In other words, the flame isn't right under the food like the, the green eggs. So there's right. different techniques you gotta use in uh, cooking your food when you use each one. There's electric smokers, gas smokers, all kinds. The one I use is the direct smoker, the green egg. It's got the, the briquettes, the uh, lump charcoal right under the food. So you have to cook it at a nice uh, low temperature, like, you know, 200, 225, maybe 250 around there, because you got to remember the food is right above that. You got to be careful or otherwise you're burning. Right. So, so the way that I've figured this out is first you, uh, you know, you get your smoker ready. Um, you get your, and you can add different woods and things like that. You know, if, if you want uh, a certain different with a different wood. Yeah, you can, you, you know, there's the first and foremost thing you have is like a lump charcoal, which is uh, oak, oak or hickory. Um, that's your base. Now, what I use, uh, sometimes I'll throw a couple of chunks of mesquite in there. Yeah. Uh, that's got a strong smoky flavor. That's usually for beef because it's, it's pretty harsh. You can put some cherry chunks in there. It's kind of sweet and fruity. Nice. Uh, some pecan chunks, uh, apple stuff like that but the chicken <clears throat> you season it with whatever you want i use all kinds of different rubs and, and stuff like that i mean um there's you know different things you can put on there it's uh there's jerk chicken seasoning there's there's blackened there's all kinds right, of right things. right 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 mood ahead brother i knew you're gonna get the right keep going so so basically once your uh once your temperature in the egg, how long you're using one of those? It, it it depends. It depends on what it takes to get it up to temperature. Once so you're you up to temp on, once you're up to temperature, <clears throat> if you have a bird of a certain size, how long do you allow? Or do you use a thermometer? I use a thermometer. You have. Oh, to. there you go. Cool. No, do you use the thermometer on the heat or on the bird? I use it. I cook chicken breast skinless uh so i put that on there and you know once they get up to 165 you're done yeah but yeah, okay that, so you so you have you have no 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 no. he's got an internal probe the only way you would know yeah. is you're you probing the chicken yeah okay good there you go yeah yeah yeah, yeah. cool cool and but, depending uh, how, on the roughly how long i mean that's like what a 40 minute 50 minute thing no, it's, it, you know, depending on your heat, your internal heat, whatever you keep it at. I'd say no, I'm just saying, when you, how long does it take from the time you put your breast on uh, when you take them off? I think it's somewhere around an hour and a half for, okay, for a chicken breast. Yeah, yeah. Cool. The, the thing about the smoker, too, is you don't want to overheat it inside. You don't want to get it past 250 because the, the smoke <clears throat> tends to dissipate. You keep the, the heat low and you keep your heavy smoke going. You get that good smoke ring. When you cut that chicken breast in half, you see that little smoke ring yeah. going all the way around. Marty, you but, have the same kind of smoker? I got my little electric smoker. Uh, the thing with chicken is that with whole chickens is essentially uh, you end up with rubber skin. <clears throat> you know, if you leave the skin on, their skin, if you smoke it, it gets rubberized. I have not figured out how to get the yeah. bite through the bite through skin that they get on the uh, I don't know how to I've never done that okay. skin on well yeah but what here okay let me finish but here's the thing if you do leave the skin on the chicken underneath it acts like a it'll be moisture a, an envelope yeah it will hold <laughs> in the, the incredible 
wonderful moisture and it's, it's tremendously juicy. Uh, we use a higher temperature. We use 275, but again, with the skin on, and it usually takes for a, a three, three and a half pound bird, you know, you're probably talking a couple hours, something like that, eh, maybe a little longer. Mainly we use it for ribs. Um, it's a very, very good, we have a little electric smoker, 180, 180 bucks. And I don't have any charcoal and it's, there's no cleanup. There's no mess. It's, uh, uses little tiny, um, chips you pull out of a bag. I mean, it's a handful, a handful of chips will run it for 45 minutes. So yeah, we, I just essentially use it for making really good ribs. And you know what? That's enough. Jim. Yeah, no. Jim, do you Jim, do you mind if I finish my chicken story? <laughs> Go ahead. I didn't stop you. <laughs> there was more. <laughs> Listen, I just wanted to say when you cook your chicken that way, you know how when you go to a restaurant, some of these restaurants are just dialed in on their chicken and just so moist and flavorful and keeps afterward. You can have it the next day and it's still moist and, and flavorful and good. Uh, that's how the smoker makes this. It is, as opposed to cooking it on a barbecue, now you have to be very careful on a barbecue because you'll dry your chicken breasts out quick. And that is especially when you want to use an internal uh, thermometer, for sure. I mean, you don't want to go over 165 on the barbecue because it'll be way dried out and it might be somewhat okay to eat right after you take it off. But afterwards, it's, it's, it's going to be like powder. Um, so yeah, the next, that's it for chicken brass. Let's move on to other stuff. The next day, the next day or two, (laughs) you're loving that chicken. It still tastes good. And, uh, you're very glad you got to smoke it. Beautiful. All right. (laughs) Okay. So we've covered chicken. In and out. <laughs> you didn't list all the spices you could use. Oh, well, I have a question. Do you do you do you do? Uh, have you tried other stuff on your green egg other than chicken breast? I have. Uh, Would you uh, like what, to hear? Yeah, two hundred really. words or less. Tell us. All right. <laughs> Go ahead. You ask me a question, and I'll answer it. No, no, I'm serious. What, what's, what your, else what's, you your, what's your favorite? Well, what's your favorite? Well, of course, I like to cook beef on there. So, okay. what do you my do you, favorite what do you roll cut. With, yeah? Now, see, the thing is, I moved to, to Texas over a year ago, and, and nobody knows, well, I won't say nobody knows what tri-tip is, but you don't see tri-tip anywhere. It's brisket. Uh, um, brisket is good, but brisket, well, Marty would prefer brisket over tri-tip because tri-tip is a lot leaner than brisket. You know, brisket has that one layer of fat, which... Honestly, I, I love brisket, but I'd, I'd rather have a leaner cut. That's me. Marty's against that, I know. But I'd rather have that, uh, that nice tri-tip. And the tri-tip, I usually get them about, um, about two and a half, three pounds a piece, and I'll cook two of them on there. I'll use a nice dry rub, put it on there, and uh, I'll have to flip them once. You know, I'll flip them about halfway through. And I'll get it up to, if you want a real nice, rare tri-tip, in the middle of that thing, you get it up to 125 and it's done. Now, it's going to be pretty rare, but that's the the minimum. Uh, Sometimes I'll usually go up to about 135 maybe, get it just a little bit more well done. Tri-tip is something you want to eat that's that's pretty rare. Now, the thing about tri-tip is it's versatile. You can cut it up. You can have it with a plate of vegetables, do that. 
makes great sandwiches. You know, you cut that stuff up and just make a great sandwich out of it. Um, so that's my favorite. Um, I've done ribs, pork ribs, beautiful. And uh, I think on those, you got to get them up to about 195, but the same way, season them. Man, they come out of there so moist and delicious and just falling off the bone. Um, and it was, I think it was a couple of weeks ago, I cooked um, uh, sweet potatoes. I put those on there. Jim's always talking about sweet potatoes. What I did on these was I just wrapped them in uh, some aluminum foil. But what I did was I left the ends open a little bit. So they were like uh, a little miniature chimney so that the smoke could kind of circulate through there and, and give the potatoes a little bit of a, a smoky uh, flavor. And with the sweet potatoes, you got to use a, a, uh, a, a temperature gauge too, a thermometer on those. And I think what, what's, the, uh, what's the temperature we should have on our potatoes, Marty? You know, 700. You, <laughs> the, the internal? Oh, yeah. Easily. Easily 700. No, uh, just as long as no, you No, they're about 210. They, now, nah, if you poke them in and it comes out clean, you're done. Just any old probe, anything, a toothpick. You poke it in, it comes out clean, they're done. If there's any resistance, they got to keep going. That's right. Yeah. So, did you guys see the photo I sent of the $649 rib steak from... It's on the website. Did you see it, Jim? Are you had shrimp in there, too? Oh, shrimp. I had shrimp last week, man. We came across some... We call, came across some monster jumbo shrimp. Yeah. Do you find and, it weird to get, though, that they lose a little flavor the bigger uh, I don't know, man. I love yeah. the big... I love the big guys. And they're so easy. You really can't beat steaming them. It, but you got to steam them right. You can't ever do them. You'll rubberize them. Yeah. Too much steam, and you turn your shrimp into just inedible Bush. And, yeah but too little you can tell I, I just pull i pull one out and i take my my uh, poultry shears and just cut off a little little end and taste it ah, that can go a little longer and then throw it back in but a, a pound of shrimp i looked it up a pound of shrimp uh nets you 75 grams of protein yeah yeah man a shrimp are great Oh, they're delicious. And all I do is I mix up a little cocktail sauce with just uh, some good horseradish and some ketchup and nothing beats just eating those shrimp out of the shell. I love that. And you can be ready to go inside 15 minutes. Yeah. But again, it comes down to your quality protein. If you have access to that quality protein and oh, salmon, we do a lot of salmon. And uh, again, that's a that's a very very quick. Uh, I timed it. I timed it the other day. From the time I took the salmon out of the refrigerator, the time we ate was less than ten minutes. That's a good idea for the smoker. No, uh, uh-uh, no, uh, it, it, because it's it's smoked salmon. It's it's too. It's a, it's different than what you think it is. That type of smoking is what they call uh, it's it's uh, cool smoke. Okay. The way they smoke salmon, they use a cool smoke, and it's a long, like 24-hour so thing. No, it's different. I'm telling you, the best way with your salmon is you just put a little bit of olive oil in a pan, yeah. take it out, take your poultry shears, cut your salmon fillet. Like, I picked up a, a salmon fillet that that uh, was on sale normally, you know, 18 bucks on sale for, I don't know, nine. Right. So, obviously, you got to eat it that day because they're marking it down because it's going bad. So, no problem take it home, cut it up into a serving size of poultry shears, 
Oh, before that, I've got this great tip that I will pass along. One of my, one of our fanboys out there wrote me, he said, Marty, he said, I'm a professional cook. And here's one way that you can take the skin off the back of the piece of salmon. Okay. I had been experimenting taking it off with a knife. Uh, uh, one of our seal buddies gave us a collection of knives and one of them is super sharp as a razor. And I use that as to cut the skin away from the salmon. He said, no, no, no. He said, take some boiling water, set the salmon in the sink. And he said, and just put some boiling water gently over the skin. Okay. And I did it and it, if, if you do it just right, I mean, we're talking uh, a little bit over the salmon, maybe three passes. And then that skin just peels away like a postage stamp. Crazy. Now you have two exposed sides. It makes cooking so much quicker and easier and even. Mm -hmm. So now all I do is I, I, I put the salmon chunks in panko breadcrumbs. Right. Okay. And then put them in that, that gently saute in olive oil and turn them, I think, once. And when they get to 125, they're perfect. And you got this crunchy outside coating and people go crazy over it. They're like, this is incredible. And it's just like, yeah, it's just salmon taken 125 with a little bit of panko breadcrumbs on the outside, sauteed slow. And everything was done inside 10 minutes. Now that's a good one for your kids because you can take a one one fillet will feed everybody, right? Right, and it is that easy, Jimmy. I mean, just and I just have a Tupperware container and I just have a bunch of panko breadcrumbs in it, and just take the the raw salmon and just put it in there and shake it around, you know, put yeah. it in the put it in the olive oil, and and it's a slower thing. It's not a frantic thing like frying. Yeah. Frying is like, you know, it's, you got a, you know, 360 degree hot oil. Sautéing is low and slower and moderate, and, you know, it's much safer. And it, again, so, so that's a good fish tip. Any, any fish fillet can be so easily sautéed, right? Just a little bit of oil and a, and a lot of attention with a good spatula, yeah. right? And it teaches, Bourdain talked about, he, he favored uh, making omelets because if you have to make an omelet, it, it forces you to be precise and you, you have to become good with attentive and good with a spatula and you got, you know, so it's the, it's the same thing with a, a lot of sauteing. You have to pay attention to it. You can saute delicious asparagus. Put, put a little bit of olive oil and, and then put some asparagus stock in there and then just saute those for about five minutes put a little rock salt on top oh my god it's delicious that sounds good right yeah so anyway that's uh you know that's it's it's a not just proteins you you need to get your seasonally appropriate uh locally sourced produce you, you know it's coming in now uh, this is the start of the growth season so i think the first thing off the bat will be your local asparagus around here it's asparagus onions and we have new potatoes, which are always delicious. So, uh, yeah. And again, it's just as easy to cook really good food properly. And because you have YouTube, right? There's nothing you can't look up, right? JP, didn't you tell me that on these apps, 
You can also uh, dial into what's happening while you're away from the cooking. If you've got your smoke, smoker going or your egg going, you can check in at the doneness, right? Or well, you mean for the thermometer? Yeah, they have these uh, these thermometer probes that you can put into the, the meat or whatever you're cooking, put it in the smoker, and you can set it up on your phone, and it'll ah. show you it'll show you the current temperature. Oh, it'll so set off cool. an alarm when it gets to like 125 or whatever you set it to. Oh, that's cool. So, you know, you can, you can, if you have people over, uh, it's nice because sometimes you're having a few beers with people just hanging out. And, uh, you know, sometimes if you're not paying attention, so where, where do you get this? You can get them online. And uh, what, 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 I, what is it called? A probe? I, yeah, I saw one. I saw remote, one. remote, remote probe. I guess remote. I saw one probe. yesterday. I think it was called Meter. M E A T R. M E A T R Meter. Um, and that's a wireless. You know, they have, and they have all kinds of stuff. I didn't even look at the price or anything to see what it was. But I mean, they have the ones like you use, where you have the probe and the wire that goes outside the oven or the smoker or whatever too um you know but well, i don't need that can... but i don't need that but i would like to have the ability to be sitting and not have to jump up every 30 minutes to go check on the temperature of the chicken if yeah. i can sit and watch tv or sit outside on the deck and just look at the phone that's great yeah well that's what you ought to look into then yeah absolutely that's a very very cool now also on the egg don't you have remote control of the temperature do you have that device some of my egg guys, no. they, 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 have a, they have a device that uh, it, it actually hooks into the fan. And they can, if let's say the temperature is dropping below 250, they can, they can on their phone manipulate the fan, turn the fan on, which brings the temp back up. Or if it's getting too hot, it can lower the temperature. So that I know that they have that because they were showing it off to me. I went over to a buddy's house and he had an egg and he said, I can control the temp from my phone. I said, wow, that's wow. That's wild. That's pretty cool. I've never seen that. I think yeah. I've seen that on an offset smoker. No, um, it's, it's, it's on the egg and it's in relation to the fan. Do you have a fan on it? No, there's no fan. Okay. Well, that's, 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 that's what it is. It's a fan that attaches to the egg and it's controlled by an external phone control. It's pretty clever. I didn't even know they had that. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Now, Jimmy, uh, do you have any? Do you have a grill or anything? Yes, I have a grill. My first year was last year of grilling. And what is it? A is it a, a Weber type? It's uh, with the propane. Yeah. Propane. Yeah, you should you should look into a, a Weber. The problem with the propane is that you can't really. JP, you'll concur on this. You can't get it hot enough. It really is like cooking on a burner in your kitchen. Yeah. It's not not the same. If you have a, a Weber and you put coals in there, that temperature can get up to six, 700 degrees. Right. And, and that makes, and you, what we do is we bank half of a Weber with coals, right? And the other half is empty, maybe with a water pan. So you throw your steaks or your burgers over top of the, the six to 700 degree side and when they start flaming up, you just rotate the grill, the, you know, the, yeah, the grill inside the Weber. So now the burgers are over top of the cool part, right? 
and you can and the, continual, continually go back and forth and you get a beautifully crispy crust, but the interior stays, uh, you know, stays to the degree you want it, whether it's medium, medium, well, whatever. I've seen, I've like. seen you do that. I've never done that with the water pan on the bottom. Is that actually steaming the meat then, I guess? Yeah, it, it cre it's, it's creating a, a cool spot. A, again, right next door, it's six, 700 degrees. Right? Yeah. So, so six, yeah, so you over top of the water pan, it's like, ah, right. So it's like going in and out of the sauna, right? Steaming hot, blazing uh, sauna. And then you walk outside into the, to the cool, jump into the, you know, through the ice in the lake and, you know, back and forth. And you, again, you got to pay attention. But if you do it right, you get perfectly crisp outside sear on your steaks, but the insides are still beautifully, you know, I like medium rare. Um, yeah. So, but again, yeah, again, half of the Weber blazing hot, the other half water pan cool. So that's a good, good tactic. And the kids love that you get the Weber going and they'll be hanging around because they'll be, they'll be wanting in on some of that action. Let a kid flip a burger. That's a good way to get them involved. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. On a Weber. And eh, not so much. And a propane, like I said, propane, it's nice. It's outside, but basically it's, it's a, just another burner in your stove. Uh, Weber's got that primal feel that green egg has that primal feel. Uh, my little electric smoker has that primal feel. Um, and, and kids get, get them involved at that early age where all of a sudden they're start them off with, you know, uh, hot dogs on the grill, perfect hot dog on a grill tastes really good, particularly if you get some of those upscale hot dogs, which are around now. Uh, but that's a great way to get get the kids involved in cooking is uh, grilling. Yeah, we sit out there and shoot squirrels and grill. <laughs> <laughs> and then some of those uh, ducks, uh, Duck breast is with yeah. the skin on is absolutely delicious. So well, you, you uh, again, know, slow, slow take. Right. That's where I, that's who I, you know, Bourdain did a thing out of, I think, Missouri or something. Yeah. Like those boys didn't that those boys are throwing all those duck breasts away, weren't they? Yeah, but then, and they were eating raccoon and shit. But <laughs> um, Bourdain said, man, just slice your, your breast really thin yeah. and fry it in butter. And we do that with goose. It's goose. not fried. It's not fried. It's okay. Sauteed, sauteed, you okay. sauteed. Just say it. There you go. Um, that works for goose breast too, man. It's really yeah. good. Yeah, but but you got to pay attention, and it's a slow process. Also, you'll take that spoon, like okay, now so you have it skin side down. But when you turn it skin side up, then you have to tilt the pan and take a spoon, and you throw hot that hot butter grease back on top of that skin. Right, you're basting, basting, uh -huh. basting basting right and that's what crisps up the, the outside skin so it you've got to turn it to cook the underside and while that's happening that's when you start take a big spoon and just throw that that hot oil back over top of that bird there's nothing better than a perfectly cooked duck man i love a duck jim uh how do you cook rice I get those uh, instant rice packets and put them for 90 seconds. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, three and a half minutes in the microwave. And no, minute and a half. Minute and a half. No, I have, we have a rice cooker, but I haven't messed with it since 
I'm moving here, so I'm just like, and I'm not eating. I'm eating sweet potatoes, basically. Yeah, like, when a guy, yeah, when a guy gets past hey, fifty, you don't want to eat a lot of rice. Hey, hey, by the way, we just my wife just bought one of these Instapots. You guys ever heard yeah. of that? Yeah, we have. We've used an Instapot for years. So, so it's like um, it's, it's a like a, uh, it's a pressure cooker. Yeah, it's, it's but it's like a crock pot instead of no, taking it's all a day pressure, to No, it's cook a pressure cooker. Brother, listen to me. It's a pressure cooker. I, a crock pot yes. is totally different. A crock pot is basically your boiling stuff. You put a liquid in, you put a protein in, you turn it on, and it boils it all day. That's what a crock pot is. Uh, the Instapot is a is a supercharged pressure cooker, the old school pressure cooker like grandma used to have, and it would sit there in a stove and rock back and forth. Right. The Instapot is an updated version of that, and handled skillfully. It's a wonderful tool. Okay, but it's it's very precise, and you can you can run some expensive meat if you uh, overdo or underdo yeah well i imagine you could but uh yeah i mean uh you you, you can cook chicken breast in there and in i think it's <laughs> 45 you minutes or whatever it was man. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying if you're cooking chicken yeah and you man, want it to be what, like that's what we were talking about chicken fall off the bone you put yeah. it in in the instapot well it's already off it's already off the bone yeah right that's right it's yeah. already off the bone right yeah how about how about pasta oh that's is not that good. a no-no that's, no? that's guys, not good for, for you that's for like eating ever, ice cream yeah it is baby i love it i love i love you know i allow myself noodles once a week i have loved pasta on a sunday like well, how do you cook them oh man i have i get these tagliatelle noodles which are these yeah. wide noodles they're kind of almost like uh, you know jp the old uh, pennsylvania dutch uh, noodles the wide uh, <coughs> noodle source yeah well that's what these are like so uh, you know just boil them up pay attention i think it's uh, they they say nine to eleven minutes uh you you boil them up and then uh, i run cold water on them when they're done exactly the way that i want them i run cold water on them to freeze that doneness and then, you know, it's not, again, it's not hard to make a, a marinara sauce from scratch. All you do is you get some San Marzano tomatoes, which are available in any grocery store, get them whole. <clears throat> you come home, you put them in a pan and you crunch them up with your hand. You, you put, I usually use two cans, two cans of San Marzano's. I throw them in a big pot and I crunch them up with my hand. I crunch them, crunch them, crunch them. And then you, uh, I like, maybe start with some bacon or some sausage and some olive oil, some garlic, some onion, right? Get that going in the pan. Then uh, add the, the crunched up tomatoes and let that go for hours, right? You let that go and down and down and down and down. Now, in the meantime, I'm baking up those meatballs, right? If I take those meatballs off at 145 instead of 150, then I can drop them in the sauce, right? And they'll soak up that that sauce and so after about three hours and then i turn it off and let everything sit for an hour and everyone goes oh this is the greatest uh, tomato we've ever had and it's like yeah that's right it's fantastic also i will use some brown sugar in my tomato sauce because i want to offset some of that acid it's a little too acidic when it's just straight so i have i'm a proud brown sugar user in my uh my marinara sauce is very sacrilegious. 
a lot of people are losing their minds when I say that, but that's what we do. So there you go, JP. That's a, there's a beautiful marinara sauce recipe. And you could put that over boneless, skinless chicken breast, and it would be delicious. You could put a little cheese on it, and it would actually be chicken, yeah. par chicken parm, which I love. Do you love chicken parmesan? I love it. Mm. Love it. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's good. I haven't had that in a while. Chicken What's parm. What's that? Uh, hoagies, man. Know. Chicken parm hoagies. Oh, my God. Oh, man. I love that. I love <laughs> that stuff. Hoagies. <laughs> what do you say? What do you New, say? New England, they call them grinders. They call I know them exactly grind, where you're grinders. from when you say hoagies. Yeah. Huh? Now, what do you say, JP? Submarine. Sub. Sub sandwich? Well, yeah. out formally of the the west coast where i come from yeah sub submarine sub. sandwich or whatever yeah i think in maryland but, uh, but i've been here for a while so now I see when i well, yeah when i moved out there to maryland when i was a teenager yeah everybody's calling them hoagies and i thought wow it's, it's a regional thing <laughs> so anyway uh, uh that was a lot on food that was uh that was good stuff I but uh, shows us some basic little things it's not hard right it's just Little, I think the biggest thing, the biggest takeaway from this conversation, certainly if you're talking about proteins, is get yourself a thermometer. It is the absolute yes. best, most yeah, important yeah, yeah, cooking yeah. tool there is. Um, and you can use it for the potatoes and everything and, else. And, and get, get an electrical digital one. Don't, don't get a dorky mechanical one with a dial on it and everything you don't want that you just pay a couple extra bucks and get the one with the digital readout and the the wire probe right yeah plenty to choose from out there and they get as expensive as you want i'm sure i don't know what all the uh the wireless things on the apps and all that cost i got i got i got mine uh walmart for like 14 bucks yeah there you go all right Jim, are you still there? Yeah, I don't have a probe, but uh, I'm thinking about a probe. <laughs> you're thinking about a probe. I'll buy okay. one. Thinking about well, at least you're thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least we convinced you to think about it. Uh, no, I was taking notes too, man. I, you were not. That well, I was. <laughs> of course I was. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, check out Marty's weekly column, Raw with Marty Gallagher at ironcompany.com. Um, you'll find his latest article, Nutritional Primitive, on the website. I just put it up this morning. So yeah, by the, the time this the airs. Best, the best thing about the article is that photo of this rib roast that I found online. It's a $649 rib roast that's uncooked from Snake River. It's Wagyu. It's Wagyu beef. Yeah. It's, it's $110 a pound beef. It's and they have this image. picture of it perfectly cooked. I was like, oh man, look at that. That is just someday we're going to do that, Jim. We're going to get, we're going to scrape together 700 bucks and just me and you and JP, you can come if you want. And you too. And uh, <laughs> we're going to tie into something like that, right? Let's do it. Let's do it. Oh man. Oh, oh and, and you know, a stand, a, a JP, this is a good one for you. A standing rib roast in the smoker. I set that at 275 and a five pound rib roast will come out beautifully smoked in two and a half hours. Yeah, I haven't tried that yet. I got to try yeah, that. You'd like that. That's sure. a good one. That's a real yeah. good one. All right. There's so many things we need to, to do. Um, <laughs> let's see, if you need, uh, look, if you've got a, a garage gym, a commercial gym, a studio, whatever, uh, 
check out Iron Company. We've got we've got tons of stuff in stock. The biggest problem right now is there's a lot of companies don't have uh, inventory. So we're fully stocked on uh, bumpers, urethane Olympic plates, bars, dumbbells, anything you need. So go to ironcompany.com. We'll be glad to help you out. We've got new Jim Steele articles that can be found uh, in our article section. Yeah. We've got yeah. one up. When, when are you putting up part two? I know. I know. You, you've you got peeps out there that, that are demanding that this go up right away. Uh, I think on again. Tell, tell me again. A 40-year-old who, who has 12 weeks to transform himself. Say that again. It's a 40-year-old guy who has oh. 12 weeks for his college reunion. Oh yeah, college. That's always a that's always a good motivator. Yeah, so he goes to see his uncle, who's a lifter, and his uncle puts him on the right path. Okay, that's like yeah. a John, John McCollum tale. Exactly. I love you know, and I talked to Star one day, Bill Star, and I said, "Where'd you get your style from?" He said, "John McCollum." He said, mm -hmm. uh, "That's you know, because Star used to write those articles in Iron Man where he quoted the kids, and the kid right. would say to him, you know, why are we doing Good Mornings, and you know all that stuff." Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I noticed your style is uh, it's it's kind of different this time. I was, you know, we just posted midlife or no, I think today we're going to post it midlife wake up call part two. But I noticed that your style is kind of evolving, isn't it? It's changing. It, you're getting a lot better. I mean, not that you weren't good before, but you're just kind of like honing everything in. Yeah, Thanks, buddy. I appreciate it. Right. I was right. I was about to say that. Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Appreciate it. I have a um, good mentor, Marty Gallagher. And and finally, if you're seeking radical physical transformation, yeah, both these guys are available for online coaching. You can contact Marty at ironcompany.com or Jim at ironcompany.com. Wherever what, you're in the world, just as long as you're serious and you want to get down to business. What's my Instagram, Jim? The Marty Gallagher. Yeah, the Marty Okay. Yeah, go to that. Go to that too, because my wife is, she is on it about posting stuff. She is on top of it. I'll tell you what, whew, don't get in her way. So do you get the videos and stuff I send you on there? I'm sorry? You know, I Yeah, uh, what did you send, send me? Some, you sent me something. What did you send me? I can't remember. I don't know. It's probably like a Doug Reinhold picture or something like that. Or, you know, I'll send you stuff once in a while, like of old time lifters or something good. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I see it. But, you know, the best way to deal with me is call me on the telephone. No, I get it. I, said, no, I, I, write, I, write, so, I write so I write so much. And there's so much writing. That's like the last thing I want to do is like do a 400 word email. Yeah, yeah, I get it. All right, All right, guys, you done? No, yeah. man. No. Yeah. Don't keep going? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Talk to you next week. All right, oh wait, squat you. and hunt. Squat and hunt. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 yeah. All right, go. Squat and hunt. What what is it? It's a newsletter slash magazine I put out and uh got some great writers in there. The lead lead article by Marty and Chuck's in there. And you're gonna get another you're gonna do another um issue? Oh yeah, and I already have a commitment from Mark Powell, who's a very well known uh, fiction writer and a professor of literature at App State, but he he lifts, he trains, and so was he was he the guy who did Hemingway's boat or was that a different no nah, that was a different guy so, okay yeah so uh so that'll be good and hopefully I can get something from who now you're sending this out old style this is going out in the the snail mail right so, yeah, I'm, so I'm interested in the logistics behind this whole thing okay. who is stapling all the pages so I go to the, the, so, 
I put it all on Google Docs, and then I couldn't figure out how to get it on one page. And Chuck, and Chuck Miller was like, "Well, Jim, just copy and paste." And so, <laughs> I was like, man, I'm a dumbass. So I did that. And I printed out, printed out one original, and then I took it to the UPS copy store, yeah. and she, they staple it. Their printer staples it also. Oh, so she, really? Yeah, she printed me out all those copies, and uh, then I address the envelopes and send them out. Wow. Yeah, man. People you should like put it. that part on your uh, YouTube. That'd be interesting to see you filling all these things out and uh, licking the stamps and the envelope and, uh, you know, old style. That's it. You know, people get, I, I don't know. People get tired of the internet and all that stuff and they want to go to the mailbox and get something. I'm always excited when I get something, so. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Well, good, man. I'll see you guys. Thanks, that was good. Uh, All right, boy. Thank you.